So if I was in the current situation that we're in now and I had like a mortgage rate in the low twos or even below 2%, I wouldn't be any. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back to Where Should I Invest? I'm Sarah Larby and you are back for another great episode. And today's guest is Sean Cooper, who you might know him from having paid off his mortgage in a record amount of time. He wrote a book about it. All the information is on the show notes and we're going to be speaking as well. He is a mortgage broker and has helped a lot of people as well get their mortgages paid down and uh, to be able to retire early. There's lots of different options that you can, uh, you can do it. You can do it as an investor investing in real estate and uh, his way, how he did it himself is that he just got rid of his mortgage payment altogether. So we have a great discussion. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and don't forget the Burr Freedom community. You guys can join at sarahlarby.com and click the Burr Freedom community there and you will learn all about it. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and see you next week. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Sarah. It's great to be back. It's a pleasure to speak with you and your audience uh, today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you were on my show. I mean, I want to say it was probably about a year ago and you shared some great insights. So welcome back. Um, for the audience that's listening and that may not have heard you the first time around, what's a 30,000 30, foot bio of what you do and, uh, and who you are? 30,000 foot bio. I've never heard that term, but that's foot view interesting like term. Just like, like overview. <laughs> sure sounds good. So <laughs> I'll just give you the Coles Notes version, as I like to say. So I always wanted to be a homeowner growing up, like perhaps when people were, when Canadians were children, like they wanted to be an astronaut or a nurse or whatnot, but I wanted to be a homeowner as lame as it was and just my parents instilled the importance of home ownership in me growing up like even when they unfortunately split up they still managed to be able to both be homeowners themselves which was quite uh, inspirational and uh, they definitely considered having a home like uh, as the most important thing for our family having a roof over our heads so that kind of instilled the importance in home ownership in me and as soon as i got my first job i started saving towards uh, eventually buying a property and then throughout like um, college and university i was working several jobs and i managed to graduate debt free and start like continue saving the down payments and then um, i got my first job and really like ramped up the savings at that point in time I was doing like side hustle work as like a freelance writer and then end up buying my house back in August 2012 in Toronto and wanted to pay off my mortgage as quickly as possible. So fast forward about three years and I've managed to pay off my mortgage in uh, my 30 year mortgage in only three years. And basically it was by living frugally uh, and not going on any major trips during that time and also lived in the basement and rented out the upstairs of my house and of course did the side hustle stuff that enabled me to double my income outside of my full-time job. So all that combined, uh, I was able to pay out my mortgage in uh, a little over three years. I had a mortgage burning party and then uh, that got covered on CBC and uh, CBC wanted, was interested in me like uh, 
writing a book, I just kind of floated the idea and the reporters seemed pretty interested in it. So I decided to write a book just because uh, it got so much attention and uh, so many people read it online. So released the book a year and a half later and uh, sold thousands of copies. And then people were still reaching out to me uh, and wanted help with their mortgage. So I had a, I have a background in fi financial industry over 10 years. So decided to leave my full-time job in pension consulting and become a mortgage broker. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that the last couple of years and it's been so rewarding to be able to give back to Canadians and be able to help them hands-on with their mortgage. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So burn your mortgage is the title of your book and it's, you know, Indigo or Amazon. I mean, you guys can, can uh, find it. So you're essentially, you took a 30 year mortgage essentially and, uh, and did what you needed to do to pay it down. So, so, you know, a lot of, of this show is about investing, but you're doing something a little bit different in the sense that you're, you're taking your own primary residence and you're going to say, I'm going to be able to have that freedom early. I'm just going to have very little expenses essentially for, for my living expenses. So how do you, know, how do I, I do that? And obviously your biggest payments is your mortgage. So you've been able to do that in three years and then you had the mortgage burning party, which I think is awesome because I want to do a retirement party when big stuff lifts and stuff like that. But um, so can I ask how big your mortgage was? Like, how, like was it a $500,000 mortgage? Was it a $200,000 mortgage? Are you able to share? Well, home prices back in, uh, yes, uh, happy to do that. It's all, if you Google my name, it's all on the World Wide Web. So back in August, 2012, uh, home prices were more modest in Toronto, you could buy a home for under five hundred thousand dollars. Then, so I ended up buying my home for uh, four twenty-five, and uh, I made a sizable one hundred and seventy thousand dollar down payment just through you know all the things that I mentioned, like saving a ton of my income and living frugally, and that left me with a mortgage of two hundred and fifty-five thousand. And even back then, that was a big amount for me, like that's a quarter of a million dollars for one person to handle, uh, and especially when my parents maybe their mortgages were like hundred thousand dollars or hundred fifty thousand dollars and I had all that debt to my name interest rates were a lot lower when they compared to when they had mortgages but I just didn't want to have that debt hanging over my head for the next 30 years uh, and I wanted to mainly like free up the cash flow as well uh, just in case you know something happened with my uh, like full-time job just so that I wouldn't be stressed out because that was definitely an area of stress with, with my parents growing up like worrying about paying the mortgage so i just wanted to kind of get that over with so uh yeah those are kind of the details there that's cool and now you've been in the mortgage industry as a mortgage broker broker for how many years i've been in the industry for a couple of years but uh i've definitely been following the industry very closely uh like i was i've been writing about the industry for pretty much a decade now and interviewing various mortgage uh brokers uh like for stories that i was writing in the past as well as i've just generally been interested in the industry and always been writing articles on mortgages and uh, reading up on the latest rule changes so this isn't something necessarily new to me um, like i wasn't a broker before but uh it's just kind of taking the next natural step in, in my career if that makes sense okay cool and what were you doing for work like as a job prior to uh burning your mortgage Yes, great question. So I worked in the pension consulting industry for uh, almost a decade and I enjoy my job there. I could have just 
pretty much worked there until retirement and everything would have went well, but uh, I just I wanted to help Canadians more hands-on with their mortgages and I just couldn't, you know, there's only, only so many hours in a day as well as it did it give me the freedom that I wanted like pretty much from January to June, it was insanely busy and I couldn't take any vacation during that time. And I only had like three weeks vacation and I wanted to be able to travel and it, I just wasn't able to do that. I stayed there another couple years after I paid off my mortgage and I literally like maybe took a weekend trip here or there, but I was barely doing any traveling at all. I didn't go to Europe or anything. So that's kind of what, uh, you know, being able to help Canadians with their mortgage, is, uh, of course, played the most important part of my decision by just having more flexibility in terms of my uh, schedule and, and being able to work uh, anywhere uh, and having that flexibility in the schedule that definitely played into my decision of leaving my full-time job a couple of years ago, uh, two and a half years ago. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Obviously, the freedom thing is, is a big thing and then being able to you know do what you want, where you want, how you want, et cetera, is, is important. That's awesome. So when you, I guess, finished paying off your mortgage and you had a mortgage burning party, did you retire at the same time that you were done essentially your last payment? Is that what happened? Or walk me through, you know, how the retirement and the mortgage burning party all kind of came about. Sure. So I'm not, I, I mean, I guess I just want to understand your definition of retirement because everyone seems to have like a different sure. definition and then there's like financial freedom as well. Like when I hear, I'm, I'm not, don't necessarily consider myself retired like when I hear retirement I, I kind of think of like stopping work like not working at all not doing any side projects uh mm -hmm. kind of like kind of like my parents where they uh don't work at all and, and right. you know enjoy yeah, their days I'm I'm certainly maybe I'm working harder now than I was before so I don't necessarily consider myself retired but like I do know that like I could literally stop working tomorrow and I would be fine for the rest of my life uh, from a financial freedom standpoint. So I guess I would consider myself achieving financial freedom rather than retirement. Uh, what's your definition? Yeah, there? no, I think that's like actually really interesting because even though I am retired from the corporate world or the J-O-B world, like you, I don't want to do nothing, right? I don't want to be just sitting on the beach. I mean, for a while it's nice, but like over time it gets boring, right? <laughs> so so I, I think it's just a matter of like, okay, now that I have all this time and the freedom and financially, if I stopped, I'd be okay, but I still want to get to that next level. I still want to be productive. I still want to be able to do some really cool stuff and, and some of it will probably bring some extra income. And so if I can take my income from X and even make it higher, like, you know, even better, why not? Right. So I, I think that's a great point. I think it's, it's financial freedom in a sense but it's not retirement per se in, you know, maybe somebody's thinking like, oh, she's, you know, she's just going to do nothing for the rest of her life or he's going to do nothing for the rest of his life. And I shouldn't say nothing, but like play cards or whatever, whatever people that are like, fully, <laughs> I guess, retire in that sense would do. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it, it probably is a, a different definition, right? Like retired from the corporate world or the job world is one thing. And you know, if you're financially free where you don't have to do it, but you choose to, I think that's a different thing too. That's like, because that's what I want to do, right? I, I, you know, I still want to be doing awesome things and figuring out ways to take, you know, exponential steps to, you know, create even more wealth and create even more fun and create even more, you know, like just adventures in my life regardless. So what about you? 
I'm, I'm just curious, a follow-up question to that. Uh, like, do you ever see foresee yourself fully retiring, like, full stop, where you're not working at all? Like, to be honest, I'm not sure I would ever want to do that. Like, I'm somebody that enjoys what I do, so maybe I wouldn't work as many hours in the future, but I don't really see myself, like, uh, officially retiring according to the definition. Like, uh, how, how about yourself? Yeah, I tend to agree because even like I was talking to, because I have a couple of people I hired as, as coaches and just, you know, like, you know, different people, not necessarily real estate coaches, but, and they were like, how many hours do you want to work? Or like, you know, or like, do you not want to work? And, and I'm just like, you know, I'd like to at least do three hours a day, regardless, right? Three hours a day. And then the rest of the day, you, can, you know, go work out, just different activities, but like, it's still an important thing and, and it's work quote unquote because I don't really consider podcasting work right but it's going to be like something that I'm still going to be doing the right club you know like that kind of stuff it's I mean quote unquote work but I don't want to do nothing and be ever fully retired probably even when I'm 80 like if I can make it that long right like if I if I lived 80 <laughs> I'm probably still going to want to do something productive something with goals that I can achieve right and I think there's just some people are wired that way and some people might be totally cool with like, like Matt, my spouse, he may be totally cool with like fully, fully retiring, you know, but I just, it, I think it's just not in my DNA. No, I agree. Uh, like, I don't know. I've, I would enjoy it for a bit, but I would probably get bored pretty quickly. Like I, I just think about all the opportunities that I've uh, been fortunate enough to have. Like uh, I spoke on a panel a few years, like a couple years back where like a, uh, former finance minister of Canada was there and former conservative leader of Ontario, Tim Mack was on the panel and Patty Lovett-Reed from uh, BNN was there. And, you know, if I had just kind of stopped doing what I was doing, I, I don't, if, if I didn't keep my name out there, I don't think I would have been invited to that panel. And before COVID, I was doing speaking events as well. And again, if I just kind of full stop retired and didn't keep doing that, I don't think these great opportunities would uh, come up as well as you know just the rewarding feeling of being able to help my clients with their mortgage and hearing you know that I've made a difference in their life um, like I definitely enjoy that I, I it would be nice to uh, have like work less hours in the future but I'm still young and full of energy and you know certainly with COVID uh, there's it's not like uh, you can go out and do much these days anyway so might as well keep myself busy is, is my attitude right now. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are gonna be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are gonna be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also gonna be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition. And also 
also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have different plans, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. It it makes sense. And, you know, and I think that it's about, and you said it, it's about like balancing or creating balance in your life, right? Where it's not just like go and go and go and go, but then there are moments that you can say like, I'm just going to go for an hour walk in the middle of the day because I can, or I'm going to pick up this really cool, like new hobby because I can in the middle of the day, you know, or I'm going to do absolutely nothing, but just watch a movie tonight and not have to stress out because I can, right? So I, I think I think it's about balance and, and just figuring out what you enjoy doing now and, you know, enjoying the, the process, right? Whether it's, you know, three hours of work a day or four hours or I don't know, however you guys want to schedule it, you know, structure it. But I still think it's just about creating balance and, and creating new goals and, and, you know, finding fun as well in your life. Because I think a lot of us, especially in Canada, I don't think we have enough fun. It's, it feels like it's always like, go, go, go and work, work, work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as bad as the like uh, Japanese culture. They work very hard there, but certainly I think we fall somewhere in the middle of the spectrum between like Europe and Japan, uh, similar to the U S but yeah, I mean, definitely just picture myself doing my like corporate job for the next 30 years and only getting my like two or three weeks vacation and, and having to travel the world based on that. It's just not enough time. So that, yeah, that definitely was uh, what encouraged me to uh, like leave the corporate world. Like perhaps if employers are more flexible going forward and like, I would think that more people would be allowed to work from home going forward. Maybe people can have more freedom. They can, travel and work at the same time but uh you know we'll i guess we'll wait and see how that all plays out uh i don't think many people are traveling right now uh, with the current situation no and actually i wanted to ask you this question because you're kind of in a similar boat as i i am in the sense that you know you're, you're creating your schedule how you want 
what what are some of the hobbies that you're you're I know travel is like a big thing of mine like it, it sounds like it's a big thing of yours as well but like you said we can't do it right now so, but what are you you know finding that you're enjoying with the time that we have right now whether it's a hobby or like fun in your life like what are some ideas that you have that or things that you do yes well uh, I certainly had a ton of travel plans like I was planning to go to Europe and visit the Scandinavian countries and just go to as many countries as possible because it's so easy to travel in Europe. Like you can literally hop in a train and go a couple uh, like countries over. But uh, unfortunately, all those plans were canceled. I did was fortunate enough to go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans before the whole pandemic situation. But uh, yeah, definitely haven't been able to take all the trips that I wanted to in the rest of 2020. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen until 2021. So I, I have been like, I watched a, a video from Rick Verser, who used to have his own show on CBC. And he just kind of encouraged Canadians to travel within our country and support the local economy. So that's what I've been trying to do, because I just see so many business owners like in my neighborhood and elsewhere where a business that has been open for many years suddenly shuts down because of COVID. It's just so tough, especially restaurants and, and stuff like that. So just been trying to support the local businesses and travel within Canada as well. So, you know, visiting places that are nearby like Ottawa and Montreal. I mean, maybe it's not as exciting as Paris and London, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to make the best of the current situation. So I've been just, just been traveling within Canada when it's uh safe to do so and just reading books and personal development and just trying to, I just try to like what I found for me was that uh, I was kind of checking the news a lot at the beginning of this but I've definitely made a conscious effort to only check the news like maybe twice a day because it just it, I just felt like it like I don't know if the best way to say is but it was just kind of a bit depressing to like you know check it every hour and see like all the bad news. I mean, it seems like there's way too much bad news out there. So I've just been trying to limit like the news like a couple times a day. And I've definitely found that that's helped me have a more positive outlook there. So for anyone that's feeling down about the current situation, I would just encourage you to like try to limit your exposure to the news like definitely check it to stay up to date on things but you know rather than checking it every hour half hour just try to do it like once or twice a day and uh yeah i found that that's done wonders for me and uh um you know i'm not feeling as stressed as i was before yeah about yourself sir that's a good that's a good point with the limiting the news because it's all what's in between your ears right what like you feed your brain and information that you absorb that's gonna i think it's gonna create your mindset it's gonna create your moods so i agree for me i mean i've done some like we're gonna do some like lunch dates with the girls because ironically i'm like out of my friends like most of them are already in my spot <laughs> So I was probably oh, really? one of the last ones that had that had a full time job where we couldn't just meet on a random like Tuesday for lunch or something, or brunch or. Lunch. Are your friends like super successful or entrepreneurs? Uh, or, a lot of them uh, are are real estate investors as well. Like I have friends that have jobs too, but like a lot of my close friends that I hang out with quite a bit are are real estate investors and. Uh, interesting. So they, they can create their, their schedules as well, which is cool. So we're going to do some things. And I was looking at like a fencing class with one of my friends, Jen. We're looking into that or rock climbing. 
I used to teach um, long ago, I've lost a lot of it, but I used to teach American Sign Language. So I want to get back into it, not the teaching part, but just like refreshing my skills and learning because I think that would be cool. And then I just like reading and, and, you know, reading some cool books as well. So, you know, my whole thing with the travel at this point, probably not traveling until things kind of resume to somewhat normal, but we've got the cottage. So the cottage and having some friends over at the cottage is always a fun thing. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm structuring some, some of that and looking at some different fitness things and different workouts, whether it's like fitness boxing or whatnot. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited regardless, you know, there's never the perfect time. I just got to make, make work with, with what we have. Right. So, so if, Sean, if somebody wanted to follow your footsteps, you know, I'm thinking a lot of people that are listening to this are probably thinking, okay, what if I just paid down my primary house, but I still had investments with mortgages on them because the tenants are paying them off. What are your thoughts about that? So like, just like, let's just say an investor has got like five or six properties. Is it wise for them to pay down their own principal residence if they wanted to follow your footsteps, but maybe just leave mortgages on the rentals because they cash flow hopefully with, with tenants? That's a great question, Sarah. I mean, I guess it all depends on what you want to achieve in the future. Like for me, it really wasn't my plan to own several rental properties, like definitely in the future, uh, perhaps that's something that I would like to do. Like I definitely want to hold on to my current property, uh, like in the future. And if I was to get married down the line, I would like to hold on to this property and turn it into a rental property. So certainly plan to do that eventually in the future, but I don't really have a specific uh, timeline on that. Uh, I think, you know, it really depends on the individual. I see no issue with uh, having mortgages on on properties as long as you have a, a game plan in terms of like having sufficient, as long as these properties are cash flow positive and you have a way of paying down these mortgages, I have no issue with it at all. I mean, for me, my goal was to pay down like the mortgage on my primary residence as quickly as possible. But uh, I definitely have heard a lot of people argue that that didn't necessarily uh, make sense. And, you know, uh, strategies that you've spoken about in the past where you can take equity out of your primary residence and use that towards a down payment of a rental property, um, like, at least by paying down your primary residence, you get faster, you can free up more equity if you plan to buy future properties. So yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on like your personal situation. And uh, like, based on where rates are at right now, like, I really don't see a like, unless you are like, you can't even sleep at night and the mortgage debt is stressing you out that much. I, I think it can make sense to pay it down. But with rates as low as they are right now, I really find it hard to argue that you should be making like extra lump sum payments against your mortgage. I really think that you can like uh, get a better rate of return elsewhere, whether it's buying a rental property or investing the money. So if I was in the current situation that we're in now, and I had like a mortgage rate in the low twos or even below 2%, I wouldn't be any in any hurry to pay it off. And I would be using the money elsewhere, whether it's for a rental property or investing the money in. and that's similar to what I'm doing now like once I paid out my my primary residence I didn't just go like crazy with the money and start spending it I took that cash flow and got caught up on my RSP and tax-free savings account and I like 
basically split the money that was going towards my mortgage and have it going into three different like accounts like the RSP, TFSA, and the non-registered accounts. So if you do manage to pay off your mortgage, I would encourage you to, uh, you can certainly have fun with your money, but uh, you just need to figure out what to do with that extra cash flow. Um, um, so yeah, I chose to use that towards uh, saving and just being able to have that much uh, more of a financial nest egg. But for other people, they might want to grow their real estate portfolio and buy rental properties. So I guess just figure out what you want to do and then you can kind of put a game uh, plan in place and figure out the steps that you need to take in order to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's interesting. So what was your interest rate on yours when you were paying it down fast? Yeah, it wasn't as low as we're seeing today. Like these mortgage rates are, I, I received the emails as the broker. I was surprised how low they are. Like I've we've never seen rates like this before. So I thought I had an amazing mortgage rate. It's like my parents were telling me about double digit mortgage rates back in the eighties, like almost 20%. And I don't think we'll ever see that again. Hopefully not. But uh, my mortgage rate was something like three, a little over 3% back then. And I thought that was a good rate because my parents were paying like five, 6% when they had a mortgage a few years earlier. But uh, yeah, I'm not beating myself up. Like uh, I'm glad that I paid off my mortgage, but certainly with the rates as low as they are today, it's, it's it's really hard to argue that it makes sense to make extra payments against your mortgage unless it's really keeping you up at night because uh, the rates are literally so low. So yeah, I, if I was in the current situation now, I probably wouldn't be paying down my mortgage uh, super fast. It is interesting for sure. I mean, at some point rates are going to go back up, right? Like they are abnormally low right now. I mean, give it three, four, five mm -hmm. years or whatnot, and they might come back up. But I mean, double digits is probably out the window at this point like i if that happens then we've got bigger problems and uh, a lot of people are going to have you know most everyone's going to have problems so i i can't see them necessarily going back to double digits but they're not going to be at the the low that they're they are today like so you mentioned um lump sums is that how you pay down your mortgage like um did you have a variable rate do you have a fixed rate did you have like those like prepayment penalties uncapped like how did you set it up so that like you're okay you, you basically look at your mortgage and like you know, decided that you wanted to pay it down in three years, like what was the actual process for you? Great question. So uh, the main way that I did it was through lump sum payments, because when you make a lump sum payment on your mortgage, a hundred percent of that goes towards the principal. So, you know, you make a thousand or $2,000 lump sum payment and that knocks like a thousand or $2,000 off the balance. So that's how you can really uh, like get your mortgage paid off quickly. And I decided to go like, I was looking at mortgage options and my first instinct was to go to my local bank branch and I, I visited that first, but uh, then I spoke with like, you know, I was, I enjoyed reading about mortgages in the past and I heard about uh, like a mortgage broker. So I called up a, a mortgage broker and just wanted to learn about different mortgage options. And I found out about uh, like a category of lenders called uh, monoline lenders, or as I like to call them wholesale lenders. And these lenders deal directly through mortgage brokers. Uh, uh, they don't have branches on every corner and the same brand recognition of the banks, but because of that, uh, they're every bit as stable because uh, they have to abide by the same rules, but they just don't have that all that overhead cost. So they typically have more competitive rates 
And uh, more importantly, they have lower mortgage penalty calculations, especially on the fixed rate mortgage side and better prepayment privileges because I heard with some of the banks, like, uh, for example, you can only make lump sum payments once a year on your anniversary date. And that's way too restrictive, in my opinion. So my lender let me make lump sum payments all throughout the year. As long as it was at least $100, I could make lump sum payments on any of my regular payment dates throughout the year. So by going with a monoline or wholesale lender that had a flexible flexible prepayment privileges, that enabled me to pay off my 30-year uh, mortgage in only three years. So certainly if you uh, are looking uh, to pay down your mortgage sooner, it, it help, like people, can, Canadians seem to want the lowest mortgage rate and uh, that's fully understandable, but uh, certainly a mortgage is about more than just the rate, the penalty as well as the prepayments matter too, depending on what you're looking to accomplish. So um, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to speak with your bank, bank, but I would certainly look at other options out there, speak with a mortgage broker, and um, they can ask you the right questions uh, in terms of what you're looking for in a mortgage, and at least you can make an informed decision because, yeah, if I had just gone to my local bank, I wouldn't have discovered all the other options out there that my mortgage broker introduced me to and wouldn't have been able to pay off my mortgage super quickly if I had just gone with one of the banks. So certainly glad that I had a great mortgage broker who provided value and helped give me strategies to pay down my mortgage sooner. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I did it in a nutshell through the uh, lump sum payments mainly. Nice, awesome, thanks for sharing. So Sean, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. I'm gonna ask you a series of a few questions. You're gonna give me the first answer that comes to mind. I'm gonna switch them up a little bit for you. Are you ready? Sure, let's go. All right, question number one, what is your favorite book? about business or mortgages or whatnot? Usually it's a, a real estate book, but it doesn't have to necessarily just be about real estate. Gosh, you've put me on the spot. Uh, can I say a personal finance book? Sure. I would say the first book that comes to mind, uh, probably a common answer, but I would say The Wealthy Barber Returns was a good book. Uh, I like the original Wealthy Barber, but it just kind of like helped me figure out, like, you know, aim to save at least 10% of my income. It had some basic rules like live within your means. I, I just referred back to that book a lot and uh, it definitely it helped, uh, helped me figure out how I want to live my life. So I would say that's one of the most influential books, but uh, yeah, I've read many good books out there, but that's the first one that comes to mind. All right, cool. Next question. Um, I don't know if you're a podcast listener, but if you are, um, what is your favorite or most listened to podcast? That's a good question. I usually listen to real estate podcasts. Uh, Sarah, you've had some great podcast episodes yourself. So I would say in the real estate realm, uh, it would probably be your podcast that I listen to. But honestly, like I have certain, you know, I have certain um, like people that I follow in the media, like Scott McGillivray from Income Property. So when I see that he's a guest on a certain podcast, I'll try to listen to it. But uh, really any uh, podcast in the real estate space uh, I try to listen to because uh, you know even the smartest person on real estate can learn a new thing so um, yeah mainly just trying to listen to real estate uh, podcasts when I'm cooking or at the gym and, and uh, you know rather than just listening to music I try to be as productive as possible. Okay awesome next question I know we talked a little bit about it but you can always uh, give a different answer or the same if you want what do you do for fun when you are not doing things around mortgages or work, aka quote unquote <laughs> work? 
on a Friday night, I like to uh, review amortization summaries. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when, when I'm trying to unwind, uh, I like, well, prior to COVID, I, I definitely like going to the gym and, um, and it was not really able to do that these days, but um, I've been, I just find like a good way to like unwind from things. It's just to get away from the news and turn off your electronics uh, at the end of the night and like go hiking. Like I find that's a good way to uh, relax. So uh, I'm fortunate to be in a neighborhood where there's some good hiking trails here. So like, you know, I find that's a good way to unwind at the end of a, a sometimes stressful day. So that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Uh, unfortunately, no travel, hopefully in 2021, but we'll see. All right. Awesome. If you lost everything tomorrow and you had to start again, somehow your no mortgage property was no longer that, how would you start again? Gosh, don't, don't jinx me or something like that. Uh, hopefully that never happens, but I mean, based on the skills that I've gotten over the years, I don't think that would be an issue. Uh, if I start again, do you mean like I have to leave my current career and all that? How, what does start again mean exactly? Let's just say, I let's just say, you, let's just say I know, you, you had, yeah, you lost all your finances, your, your money, your assets. Well, I definitely think I have uh, some decent skills that I've developed over the years. So I would just kind of build, keep, you know, keep my relationships strong and, and keep building relationships and uh, looking for new projects to try to rebuild uh, everything. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've definitely taken a big income hit this year because of uh, COVID probably lost about 50% of my income, but uh, you know, at least I ha still have a roof over my head and I'm healthy. So I'm definitely counting my uh, blessings, but uh, yeah, I would just kind of, uh, um, at least I have like a supportive, family to fall back on if that ever happened. So I don't think I would be out on the streets or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still working hard today, even though I don't have a mortgage. And uh, I think that strong work ethic would uh, be useful to help rebuild my finances if that ever happened. So, you know, knock on wood that that doesn't ever happen. But, uh, you know, I, I think I would be perfectly fine and could bounce back if, if that uh, happened as long as I'm not like, 85 years old, I might not have as much energy at that age. All right, awesome. And last question, if somebody has $50,000, how would you recommend they invest it or spend it? Uh, well, I'm, I'm more of a like saver or in investor. So I mean, it's I don't see an issue with spending some of it and getting some enjoyment out of your money, but I may not spend the uh, whole amount of the money. So I guess you just need to figure out what you want to achieve in the future. And uh, like, I definitely think that could be handy for a down payment for a primary residence if you don't own one or a rental property, but you just have to ask yourself the right questions and make sure that's uh, something that you want to do. I mean, it can be a great way to build wealth, but I guess you just have to figure out whether you're cut out to be a landlord or not. And you can be as much like hands-on or hands-off as, as you want to be. I mean, you can hire a property manager to help you manage the process. Like my father didn't really enjoy being a landlord and he kind of scared me away from it with his stories, but um, he like ran a rooming house back in the seventies. So, I mean, I definitely think it has something to do with the way that he set up the rental property. Um, like I've done it properly and screen tenants and uh, have like long-term tenants. So I haven't ran into any issues. So yeah, I mean, real estate's a great way to build wealth. So I definitely consider investing some of that in uh, 
real estate, but I would also make sure that I have a decent emergency fund because when you're buying a property, you know, things can go wrong and you don't want to be putting every single penny into the property. So um, yeah, I definitely think a good real estate is a good way to invest. Uh, and also, you know, having liquid savings is important too. So, um, you know, I just make sure that I have those two things covered and, uh, you know, if real estate makes sense for me, I'd probably use that towards a property. Okay. Awesome. That was the lightning round. Sean, where can my listeners reach out and find out more about you? Great. Well, Thanks so much for having me on the show today. If you'd like to reach me, you can visit my website, burnyourmortgage.ca. Again, burnyourmortgage.ca, all one word. It's the same title of my book as well. And uh, I'm an independent mortgage broker, so feel free to reach out. Um, You can contact me on my website or call me at 647-867-3711. Again, 647-867-3711. One one, and you can email me at sean at burnyourmortgage.ca. That's S-E-A-N at burnyourmortgage.ca. Awesome. Any final last words of advice? I would just say, you know, 2020 has been tough. So definitely try to hang in there. I think it's tough on all of us, uh, but I am definitely confident that 2021 will be a lot better. I'm, I'm certain that it will it's going to be the amazing year that 2020 was supposed to be so if you're feeling down about the current situation just try to turn off your phone and turn off the computer and limit your news intake because yeah it was definitely weighing on on my um, spirits at the beginning of this but uh, you know just try to stay positive and think about all the things that you're fortunate for like having a roof over your head living in a great country like Canada and um, you know I definitely realize this is a challenging time but just focus on all the things that you have going for you. And, um, you know, I think, I think things are going to be better in the future. So just try to stay positive and uh, I'm certain that 2021 is going to be a good year. Thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you back again. Okay. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you as well. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that, and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot.
Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.